0: Untitled Beatles podcast. Two, one, and we are at the, the <laughs> it's the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony Mendoza.
1: I'm TJ Shanoff uh, mm. in Chicago. Tony, you're in LA. We, I don't, Ch- don't know if we ever said
0: that. I thought we'd let people know. It's true. Yeah, man. We're, whatever you call that, Bicoastal.
1: Yeah, um, I think that is what it's called, <laughs> Bicoastal. Dude, you hear my buddies, Bicoastal. coastal
0: Oh man, that's too bad. That's too bad. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of energy, and it's a lot of money to be by coastal. But good luck. You he, know.
1: he owns multiple boats, my buddy does. <laughs> it's great to uh, you know we we play the audio of this, but we also record on Zoom so we can see our faces and catch up. And it's like a highlight of my week to see you and talk Beatles, Tony. It's oh. recording on Fridays. I love it too much. It's great.
0: Thanks, TJ. Likewise. Yeah, no, this is this makes my week. Um, Yeah, man. Well, today we're going to explore the Beatles uh, on the BBC, Uh, at least all their officially recorded output. Maybe we'll touch on some unreleased stuff. But yeah, we thought we'd explore that and share our favorite tracks. And for those who
1: aren't aware, the Beatles did these BBC radio broadcasts. Most of them were live to tape. Um, I don't know how many were actually aired live. I think they were all produced. But when the official these sat unreleased forever. This is 63, 64, maybe into early 65. Yeah. I think they
0: stopped pretty shortly thereafter. It starts March 7th of 1962 with Pete Best okay. on drums, which we haven't heard any of that stuff officially. No,
1: that's gonna stay unrele- that'll be on the best of the Beatles on Polydor <laughs>
0: that's good best of the people Uh i see what you did there and then may 20th 1965 was their last uh, broadcast and And it's
1: just a treasure trove of this unreleased stuff until 94 when on the precipice of anthology which was 95 uh emi capital parlophone apple whatever the hell it was back then finally called like 60-some tracks, right, in 94 yeah. and released it. And it was, for those who don't remember, a huge, huge deal in Beatles circles and pop music circles, too, back then.
0: Yeah, I, as, yeah, this was actually the first new Beatles official material that was released after I became a fan, like in 88 or so is when I became a fan, when they put Past Masters out, and that was cool. But all that stuff had been released, really. So... Right. Um, yeah. So this was, I remember it coming out. Yeah. I remember it coming out in 94. I bought it on CD. It was like 30 bucks. You know, it had the, the, those thick, uh, it was in the, the, the jewel case with the, the, the two, I forget. I, I don't know what that's called. A double case, the,
1: d- the, the double jewel case, which there are half the reason the environments for shit is because of CD packaging from <laughs> 84 to whatever, but now they do the soft packs. So those who still buy CDs, but back in the day, yeah, those big fake jewel boxes and the booklet um, explaining uh, every track and everything, every time it was recorded all the recording dates, session info, it blew. I was in college at the time and it blew my beetle brains. It just blew me away.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: For lack of a better way to, I'm anti-gun. <laughs> I should say that right now. So I don't like those analogies, but yeah, uh,
0: well, maybe, maybe you mean it in the sensual way. It, it blew your brains sensually, TJ.
1: Oh, sure it did. Here's what else <laughs> blows my brain sensually. Bailey from WKRP in Cincinnati. I had to go old school so I don't get in trouble.
0: Bonnie from Chips.
1: Uh oh, and Ponch and John. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Estrada or the other guy? We're gonna
0: <laughs> Larry Wilcox.
1: Larry Wilcox, right?
0: From you remember Montana or somewhere. For
1: for a year they had a contract dispute and there were other chips.
0: Yeah, there were like, other Johns or whatever. It was like Rusty and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Towards the end, yeah. <laughs> chips is good, man. Those are on Amazon if you do that, and uh they are fun to watch. But that's the chips. Podcast.
1: Well, and one of the most underrated instrumental theme songs in television history.
0: Oh yeah, man. It's that like ascending a big disco Moog orgasm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Ascending uh-huh. Moog was my first improv team. <laughs> it was 1961. Oh, good for you. You were part of the compass players, TJ.
1: I was. Dell was in the 70s. So we're getting very inside here. Let's get back to Beatles. So this it was such a big a deal, and this sounds antiquated now, but they released a single from this, Baby It's You.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Which was, you know, the Shirelles originally, I think, was Baby It's You.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, who had the hit with it. Um, yeah. I Goffin think Baccarat wrote that, or I think you it was Baccarat. Right. One, one of those <laughs> three people wrote it.
1: <laughs> right, there were three three <laughs> white people writing all the songs in the early 60s. <laughs> Um, but it was a, a pretty big hit for the Shirelles and I knew it from, I first heard it, I think from the maybe Dirty Dancing soundtrack. It was big in the late eighties. That's right, how I got to know it. Right. Um, right. and then of course, uh, the Beatles covered it on, uh, is it Please, on Please, Please, Please Please Me? Me. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and the, yeah, the British was on Please Please Me. I think it was, was it on early Beatles? I'd, I forget what it was on, on the American version, but.
1: I think it was early Beatles in the States which is funny. I've always loved that it. it was called the early Beatles and it has the cover of them in the Beatles for sale era, which yeah. is so weird. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, uh, Be- uh, Baby It's You was a minor chart single for the Beatles in 94, and that shows you just how voracious the appetite was for Beatles stuff even then.
0: Yeah, totally, man. Well, we have some favorites selected. Should we just get into it?
1: Let's do it. Now, we have favorites from both volumes or just yeah. the first one? I'm I'm prepared because – they reissued volume one and then came up with a brand new package i believe is inferior i mean maybe some of that's my age when i was 20 that live at the bbc thing just like i said it, it floored me i i lived in that album for a lot of college the newer one has some repeated tracks a little yeah. more interview filler it didn't quite we'll get into when we get it when we really delve into the songs, but the majority of my quote unquote favorites tend to come from volume one. I still listen to that way more than volume two.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think the volume two came out in 2013, I want to say. And, uh, yeah, it was, I liked it, but I agree. You're right. It, 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 it has some good, but what it, it does have some great stuff in there. Both oh, yeah. of my, my favorites are kind of equally divided among the the two. So, um, yeah, well, I'll start, I'll start with something from Please. volume one. Uh, one of my favorite songs. Uh, they never recorded it in the studio. Uh, Young blood, with George on the lead. A vocal. coaster song. Yeah, yeah. I love this song. It is it. So this song to me is it, it has the humor of the Decca audition. You know where they each get a line to do, and John says his line like in a crazy way, and then in a. Oh, what's
1: your name? Or what's your name? All that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. right.
0: Oh, what's her name? Like he does, (laughs) he does that bit. But then the last time he does it, he says it very sexy. Like you're like, whoa, I get a little bit like, oh, hey, John. (laughs) You know? And like, they didn't really touch on that kind of aspect of comedy in their records until maybe like, uh, you know, my name, look up the number. You know what I mean? Like, so to me, I love it. I love George's, this is this is what I like about it. This is early Beatles. I think it was in 63. Maybe they recorded this one uh, on the BBC. And so George is still the little, the kid brother. That guitar is still so big on him. He's the skinny kid and this he's got that big BB King guitar That and his shoulders are all like, his head is in his shoulders. He just looks like this little funny kid. Kind of like in the in Hard Day's Night when he does that during I Should Have Known Better. He does that funny little dance with his legs during that shuffle. Yeah. (laughs) Or when he's running down the street in Hard Day's Night and he just totally eats shit on the sidewalk. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, I love it. And so his vocal. So his vocal is kind of shaky on this. It's kind of strange. There's one line he kind of flubs. I love it. I just love this song. Youngblood.
1: Tony, it's a great track, and, you know, we should say so many of the songs that the Beatles covered, uh, one of the things that made the Beatles the Beatles is they were equally influenced by black music, by rockabilly, by skiffle, by standards, and this is one of the songs by the Coasters that, in George's vocal hands, feels like a rockabilly song. It's soulful and country, and that's what's so cool about the Beatles is their ability to synthesize all these different styles into that unique Beatles sound. It's not a straight-up soul cover. Certainly isn't a country cover. But it's yeah. got that kind. Of, it's got that kind of Carl Perkins meet coasters feel, which is why I love that one too. It's a great one.
0: Cool, man. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. And I've heard other versions of that song too. It's a, it's a cool song on its own. I just happen to like this one especially because it's so it's so kind of odd. The tamest version is the one from the original cast album of Smoky Joe's Cafe. Don't
1: ask why I know it. I don't want to talk. We'll save that for our Beatles and Broadway podcast. That sounds like you worked on a cruise ship, TJ. Why don't you take it easy? (laughs) Emotionally, I'm still on a cruise ship, and that's why I'm dying. Um, Let me give you my first one, and this is uh, a John Led song, another one that they never recorded, uh, and it is early on the uh, first BBC album, and it's called Keep Your Hands Off My Baby. And it's yeah. John doing a cover of a Little Eva song. Little Eva was most famous for The Locomotion. Nice. Uh, this, to me, has some of the single best Paul McCartney bass work on any early Beatles record, both in performance and the way it's recorded. Paul's Rolling Bass, and this is from 63 as well, I believe, uh, is some of the best. If It's a clinic in Paul McCartney playing melody and counter melody simultaneously on his bass.
0: Yeah, his bass playing is out of this world, man. I, 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 he's a huge influence. I, I, I dabble in playing all instruments. I make my own music, et cetera. It doesn't, it's not about that. But when I hear his, his bass lines, I'm just kind of floored. They're and just it, so melodic and busy and they're fun.
1: <laughs> they're busy and fun and they fit. And so locked in with Ringo, too, that whole kind of rhythm section – of the Beatles were able to drive songs without overpowering them. It's, it's where, you know, the Ringo criticism of, well, he's not Keith Moon and he's not, you know, uh, John Bonham. Well, but that's ring what Ringo did was perfect for the Beatles. He was so locked in, especially what Paul was doing. One of the notes I have when I listened to this one again yesterday, and this, this has probably been one of my favorites for the, what, 30 some years his album has been out Uh, in lesser hands. This song and this cover are cheesy. I wrote if the Dave Clark Five or Bobby V did this, you'd never want to hear it again. But the playfulness of John's vocals and like I said the Paul's bass just uh, it, it steals the song and John's vocals are already so good that that should steal the song. It's to me it's a highlight of both albums.
0: That's pretty cool, man. That's cool. And if I recall, that one starts off with like the drums that, and they sound really crazy. They sound like electronic almost. Um, And that's because of the nature of the recording. I think they had to really um, spruce it up or whatever in 94 to whatever, to master it or whatever. But the drums almost sound like chill wave drums.
1: uh, Totally. They almost sound like electronic drums. It's funny. There's a note on the, I'm looking at the original 94 album here. And there's, I love these notes. These recordings have been remastered to ensure the highest possible sound quality. However, some tracks included for their historic significance do not represent the usual fidelity of studio recordings. That's a way of saying, uh, stop complaining if the songs sound old. They are. They're dubbed from tape. A little trivia here. When the album was reissued in 2013, the running order changed slightly. Mm. Uh, They all... Also, if you go back to the original CD or vinyl of Live at the BBC One, Tony, yes. the songs all just run together with no space in between. Oh,
0: I remember that. Yeah, because I remember making mixtapes back then and there would be some overlap. And you'd ha- I remember just <laughs> sitting there with my finger on the pause button doing the dub
1: <laughs> and
0: trying to not get the BBC announcer's last clip of the letter T or whatever into the beginning of you know, Youngblood or some other guy or whatever.
1: Right, uh, totally. And they, in the 2013 reissue, not only did they space the songs out more appropriately, I'm pretty sure they went back and found different sources for some of the songs. And my ear tells me that the Keep Your Hands Off My Baby while the same take came from a different source. It's much cleaner. And the funky kind of drum sound at the beginning still exists, but it just feels like a different or cleaner recording of it. Interesting. That's yeah. cool.
0: Well, another favorite of mine, this one's on volume two pretty early on. It is their 1963 version of Words of Love by Buddy Holly. I really like this version. Um, it just, yeah, it, it it feels more like a band version um, than perhaps the, the studio. If that makes any sense. I just like the loose. It's looser than the studio. Yeah.
1: It, it, no question. The harmonies make more sense on this version on BBC two. Um, this was also the single they released this. I mean, I don't think there was a vinyl 45, but this was the quote unquote single release. Uh, they did a promo video for, for live at the BBC two, but yeah, I love it for that same reason. It feels looser and less studied and less dour than the one on Beatles for sale.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I I feel like all I do is like, you know, take a crap on Beatles for sale. It's a great record. I like it. I like all those Beatles records, but um yeah, yeah, i i I think I prefer a lot of the live versions and these BBC versions over over some of the stuff that made the the cut on the album, and this would be one of them.
1: Well, and that's just to kind of echo that point a second. What's so great about these albums, especially Volume 1 to me, is for many, many years, in fact, to this day, the only real uh, official live Beatles album is Hollywood Bowl. Now, that was cleaned up a ton by George Martin when they did that Ron Howard documentary about five, six years ago. But the one from 77, the Hollywood Bowl album, it, that's the album that drove people to Tylenol in the 70s because that <laughs> that album just, the screaming... Uh, you—they uh, didn't. Have, uh, George Martin at the time could only do so much with those tapes. Those before Pro Tools and before all the yeah. other extraction stuff.
0: Yeah, so, before you could isolate a, a, a single frequency and take it out. You know those piercing yes. screams.
1: And and then build it all back together, which is why the the one that's out now, uh, the 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 remastered, remixed Hollywood Bowl, which should have kept the original cover art, the the cheesy photo yeah. of them. Yeah it looks like it's from the movie promo. Like it doesn't, it, it whatever, or at least, yeah. should you know,
0: it looks like bad Photoshop. Like, yeah. yeah, come on, man. You guys are the Beatles or whoever, whoever's in charge of that. I know Paul doesn't do the album art, but like, no, <laughs> come on guys, get, get it together with your, your graphic design.
1: It's not even a picture of them at the Hollywood Bowl. I mean, the the whole thing (laughs) was was ridiculous. But uh, point being, this, like... you are wearing those
0: Sergeant Pepper shoes. (laughs) Right.
1: right, right,
0: right. Sorry.
1: How how come the I Am the Walrus video is the cover of this early Beatles compilation? Uh, But there's something about, especially in 94, hearing the Beatles do live versions, even without the screams, but to hear them play live and raw was revelatory in 94 because the only live Beatles you knew had all the screams attached to it. So Words of Love is great because it feels like a Buddy Holly song they loved that they did a studied, careful version of on Beatles for Sale. And on this one, they're letting loose. They're playing live.
0: Yeah, it's cool, man. I dig yeah. it.
1: So on to one of mine, uh, I think the biggest revelation for me in 94 when I first heard the album because um, I've been a fan by then, as we talked about, for a long, long time, about 15 years by that point, and hearing on a Beatles record and adding finally to the Beatles catalog some other guy, yes. which which yes. we all know from uh, the, I think, Granada, Grenada, Granada, Grenada, <laughs> uh, <potato. laughs> it's all oh, Irving Rolette's <laughs> called the whole thing up um granada i think it is they did that tv special on the beatles at the cavern but some of the earliest live beatles and this is not that version but right. we all know some other guy is at frantic frenetic <laughs> sweating at the cavern club yes and to have it officially released on a beatles album for the first time rock 20 year old me and the impact is still just as strong it is it is such a great tune it's an improvement one of the few Beatles covers that's a total improvement on the original, which is by a guy named Richie Barrett doing a Ray Charles imitation.
0: Yeah. It's yeah kinda, the original, it was kind of his
1: attempt at what I say.
0: It sounds exactly like a Ray Charles thing with the electric piano and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I remember wanting to hear that original version and I did, and I was like, Oh, I guess I like the Beatles one better. Cause yeah. basically because of the guitar and the energy and that sweaty rock and roll garage rock thing that I mean, that. yeah, this is my favorite song of all the BBC ones. I love hey, it. Hey, cool. Yeah, I this love is,
1: it. Me too. And again, some of it was, uh, there's pride in having it restored or added officially to the Beatles catalog, which For up sure. until 94, 20 years after their first, or excuse me, 30 years after their first breakthrough in America, finally some other guy's part of the Beatles canon
0: uh, officially, yeah. which is really neat. And did you ever notice that the beginning of some other guy, is the beginning of instant karma totally
1: bam, bam. Yeah. yeah yeah it's a great point
0: yeah man that's pretty cool yeah. that's pretty cool i love that song i could i could listen to that song all day like that's i'm we're in our 40s like if i hear that song loud on a stereo with good speakers like i will <laughs> i don't dance but i'll dance <laughs>
1: Dance Tony dance. I mean not like Next a, up, make Tony dance.
0: Not like a fop or whatever. I'll, you know what? I'll probably be a, a a dork and I'll probably like be playing air guitar or something, you know. But like yeah, <laughs> Mud Honey or something.
1: Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's 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 a great one. It just just a great track. In fact, uh my wedding band uh played that song at our wedding.
0: Oh, that's cool, which man. Which was
1: really cool to kind of hear that.
0: So did, did you give them a set list or did they play that one on their own?
1: I gave them a few requests and I told them I wanted some obscure and, and early kind of the Beatles as a dance band stuff. And oh, they loved so good. it. I mean,
0: yeah. So uh, good yeah. on them for picking that one. That's great. Nice man. And,
1: yeah, it, it was pretty cool. So that's uh, we're a lot. Once again, we're aligned. That's my favorite track of all the BBC stuff for a lot of reasons.
0: Yeah, man. Right on. Right on. Well, here's another one that I. I this is like a more of a recent discovery as I kind of plowed through them again. Uh, also from the first uh, from the ninety four volume one, a spooky little song. I just don't understand, which was a hit for Anne Margaret. I found out in nineteen sixty one. Um. But yeah, I think they only recorded it once. And this is the version on the BBC. Yeah, it's, it, I, I wrote down that it's kind of like the, the, the spooky son of Taste of Honey. You know, it's that minor key. It's a waltz, right? It is a waltz. Like Ringo's yeah. doing the waltz. Ringo's hitting yeah. two and three on the snare, I think. Um, at least towards the end. Yeah, there's something about it. I dig it. It's, and it's, yeah, I think it's perfectly suited for Lennon, for Lennon's vocal. Great song. What do, yeah, what do you think of that one?
1: It, it, it's a great one. It all, it almost always makes me think of John's admiration for Nina Simone here. At right. That right. Explain. That's kind of it's where it's where I always kind of go to when I hear that
0: one. Because that's where um in Michelle. Right. That's where I love you came from. It came from the I, uh, I love you. I lo- yeah. I put a spell on you. It came from that, which is screaming Jay Hawkins. But they heard the Nina Simone. They were into the Nina Simone version
1: and then of course not to get you know there's a lot going on in the world right now that we could make our own podcast about but nina simone's cover of revolution one of the coolest and weirdest beatles covers that
0: is super applicable right now too i mean nina simone's great if you ever get a chance to watch her at Montreux, i want to say it's 76 it's a wild wonderful concert it'll take you it'll take you on a ride it'll take you on a a real ride, man. Cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. man. I'll check. Ch- Once the dispensaries on. open again, I'll check. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's on YouTube. At one point, she's in the crowd and she goes to the crowd like, where's David Bowie? David Bowie is here. And she, <laughs> yells, she yells at people in the crowd. It's great, man. It's punk Lo- rock. I love <laughs> one. Yeah, that's,
1: that Yeah, that's a great call. That is definitely a minor... Comparatively minor song in the Beatles Catalog, given that they recorded It, I think you're right, just that one time
0: Yeah, a, no, I dig it pull. And it, it's one of those, like, and again, too There's a few of these on these BBC ones where it's like I can't really Hear it on any of their records, you know what I mean Where would I fit that on I mean, I guess I could fit that on Please Please Me, but they already have Taste of Honey You know what I mean, so it's like right. where? Yeah, so these are Just great little Great little uh I don't know, like alternative sliding doors of what <laughs> yeah. Beatles records could have been.
1: Well, and, and it's a great look at what they listened to and what they loved. I mean, they were, they loved music. They loved American soul and R&B and like we said, rockabilly and all the British skiffle stuff. And yeah, that leads me to, here's another one of mine that I have always loved. Some of the best Ringo drumming a great John vocal and proof that John loved cheese ball songs too. Everyone always wants to paint Paul as the cheesy one. John was cheesy as hell. And I mean that in the best possible way. And there's a, a Johnny Burnett tune called Lonesome Tears in My Eyes that has John just doing this kind of rockabilly vocal. Oh, baby, 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 blues of sorrow. And I love you tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And as Yes, Ringo yes. doing the kind of doo do- Straße, doo, dentro- doo-, doo- it's, it's such a cool. Uh, that's another one that, in Lesser Hands, that song's a cheese affair. That song <laughs> is one you never want to hear again. But John sang the shit out of it. And it also, that's one that calls, huh? if you listen, uh, the ending of that uh, is where he got the ending about of John and Yoko. which is really neat too
0: oh that is great yeah. yeah. that's the one. So Ringo's kick pedal is so squeaky on that one, man.
1: Yeah, totally, yes.
0: Get that's the man some WD like, forty.
1: He's a Beatle, goddammit.
0: Yeah, man. Mal Evans, get get hey, on. Hey Mal
1: that. stop banging on the cowbell, whatever the hell you're doing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Poor Mal Evans. I always felt like, you know, when in Let It Be when they show him hitting that cowbell in the movie Let It Be and uh-huh. And they're doing Maxwell silver
1: hammer. hammer. Take take a
0: thousand. Take one thousand, but you know, like I'm pretty sure Mal hit it on time. But the way they do it in the film, he's like way <laughs> off time and super it's super fast. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. I hope they keep that in the the new version, man. We'll see.
1: Well, you know they won't. But as part of the quote unquote new version, they are reissuing the original one, all cleaned up. I guess too. Oh, You good. can't erase it from history. That'd be bullshit.
0: Yeah. You're right, man. Let's yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I do like that song. I like that song too. That's a good pick. Uh, I'll move on to something like I'll, I'm going to give you a two for here. Uh, cause they're both kind of similar and they're both from volume two. So I, this is one I just didn't even know they ever did. Beautiful dreamer. Stephen Foster song. That's on my list too. Go on. I love this song. So it, it, I just, I love the beat. I like that they do this like beat version of it. Um, it's just a simple, catchy melody that is perfect for the Beatles. And I, I, I read somewhere that this is probably, this is more Paul's idea to do this song and the others maybe tolerated it or whatever, but I'm glad, I'm glad he chose it because it's, it's just great. And also I didn't know that, so this song is either about someone sleeping or perhaps someone that's dead. <laughs> so it also well, has a creepy element.
1: It's a fine line between somebody who's sleeping and dead, right? You can <laughs> yeah. make anyone sleeping dead if you try hard enough. I teach a workshop. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, This is one I'd heard before on a random bootleg album I got in the early 90s. I think the album was called Beautiful Dreamer that had some Beep tracks on it. So I was familiar with this, but it it never moved me. The quality wasn't always great. This, to me, for many Beatle fans from what I read, was kind of like a Holy Grail having almost like one of the last... Oh, this is weird. This was a weird, cool thing. Why hasn't it been officially released? Why was not it on the anthology? That on that was like one of the last of the Beatles. You know, in addition to Carn, I guess Carnival Carnival of Light Light is is the (laughs) the only thing left.
0: (laughs) You know, Carnival of Light sucks. You know it.
1: (laughs) Of course, it does. You know, it's
0: worse than Revolution (laughs) Nine.
1: They're like, don't do it. Don't do it.
0: Uh, uh, also in there yeah. I'm throwing in Happy Birthday Saturday Club yeah, uh, Which is the, basically the same beat But them doing Happy Birthday again <laughs> like, It's great though It's great to hear the Beatles singing Happy Birthday Like you know There's not a lot of like You don't hear Aerosmith singing Happy Birthday
1: Thank God <laughs> uh, Aerosmith, no band in the history Of rock music sounds more like They belong on compact disc than Aerosmith Every early 90s, like, yeah, that's just, you can't put that on vinyl. It'll you know, always sound DDD. It's all digital.
0: <laughs> I've never heard the Little River Band do Happy Birthday. Um, <laughs> I've never heard Styx do Happy Birthday. Um, oh,
1: and, but both Sticks and Little River Band had separate hits with a song called Lady. So I think we all just tied it together.
0: <laughs> well, yeah.
1: Uh, so, okay, you brought up Beautiful Dreamer. Uh, I had that on my list as well, partially because of the Holy Grail aspect of it. The other thing I jotted down about that is um, Beautiful Dreamer, how many Beatles songs have key changes? There aren't yeah, that many. Right? There aren't that many.
0: I can't think of any offhand. I know they – you're right.
1: Penny you're right. Lane
0: comes to mind. Yeah, right. Man, I, I know. That's a stumper. I can't – and I love key changes. Like, I uh, yeah. I'm, I like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Manilow fan. So. Uh,
1: me too. Man, nobody did key changes like Manilow. You want to I mean, hate him. You do hate him, but you love <laughs> him simultaneously. I'm with you. I write the songs as a lesson in how to modulate. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: you, you know, know <laughs> I, I did see, I have seen Manilow live. I saw him at the United Center. It was good. It did was you, fun.
1: were you, kidnapped her that was a your <laughs> own volition how did you
0: <laughs> i forget the circumstances but it, it happened and i was there it was great
1: <laughs> the, there's there's a barry manilow song that if i ever make a movie with a about jesus i'm gonna put it to be satirical uh the song called daybreak has always felt like a satirical song about religion to me okay because it's daybreak <laughs> And it keeps going and modulating and going, and sing to the world! Just like it's perfect for like a, a choir that's got a lot of free time. Let's do break.
0: Oh. Well, now that would be now. Choirs with free time.
1: <laughs> Rich uh. to that domain. So, okay, <laughs> two, two great ones. I'm going to jump back to volume one for a second here and mention another great cool Beatle moment I am not an Elvis Presley fan. Early Elvis, some of that stuff is great. I don't love that Elvis is buddies with Nixon. I don't love that Elvis allegedly was part of uh, tr- the effort to deport John Lennon in the 70s. I don't love that Elvis might have been a racist. I don't want to say that he was. That's a loaded term. I don't want to call Elvis a racist, but there's enough evidence to say maybe he might have been. Maybe he was.
0: Yeah, it's is a little fair? gray. It's a little gray. It's it's gray. But yeah, I, I am an Elvis fan, but, okay. but I'm not like a fan of his 70s politics by any means. But oh. uh, I am a I am a I am a fan. I'm a fan of and I I don't think that he I think that he when he was a young artist and coming out, I think he was just singing the music he wanted to sing and the, the music that moved him. So it's complicated, like like everything. Uh, so I don't think it's I don't think it's black or white, you know, to use that phrase. Um, okay. With him.
1: Uh, so you sound like a bigger Rebels fan than me. I have always loved the fact that he died in a toilet and one of his biggest songs features the lyric, I'm caught in a crap. I'm caught in a crap.
0: <laughs> no, no. It's caught in a trap. Uh, I think you <laughs> <use of laughs> said suspicious minds. Yeah, it's this trap. Mind. It's trap. It's a is T, it? not a C. That's yeah. Uh, I'm
1: I'm not doing like a 90s misheard lyrics bit. God is my witness. I thought it was always I'm caught in a crap. I'm like, all right, Elvis. Are you actually being serious? I swear to God, I'm being serious. And then he, and then, because he died in a toilet. I've always made that connection. Thought, like, oh, you I'm actually caught thought, it a
0: crap. You actually thought he was singing, I'm caught in a crap until yeah, now? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were doing a bit. Not no, a bit. it's caught in a trap. it can't get out. <laughs> but my lyric makes sense too. Caught in a crap can't get, hold I've, out, whatever it I've is. I've never known anyone that couldn't recover from a number two. <laughs> he died in a
1: toilet! Elvis you're, couldn't oh, recover from right. You
0: just is. I've been proven so, wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, at any rate, hearing Paul McCartney on records, tearing through That's All Right, is just a really cool moment to me, because the Beatles were very Elvis-influenced. John still talks about how, or excuse me, not still talks about, even in the Playboy interviews, talked about how what early Elvis did to him uh emotionally musically and from an inspiration standpoint so to hear Paul cut through that's all right mama to me it's just a cool moment
0: yeah and actually on the on the BBC one of them he, there's an interview segment where he does talk about liking Elvis but but make sure to say his early stuff you know yeah, yeah. so cuz this is around 63 or 64 when the silly movies and the colonel started ruining his his music his life basically anyway that's that's my elvis podcast about the colonel and how the <laughs> colonel is our current president anyway
1: so oh god and have, i don't want to do it i don't want to do it i'd kill for tom parker over trump right now so yeah. here's a question yeah Presley or costello Who's your Elvis? We
0: oh, a big one. oh, Presley. I'm not. I'm not into Costello so much, but hey.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's a different yeah. podcast. <laughs> when, when we analyze flowers in the dirt and Elvis's Spike album, then we'll get into our Elvis Costello thing.
0: I don't dislike him. I'm just. I'm just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't own any of his records. I'll just say okay. that I like that radio song. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's, there's some great Elvis Costello. I I, I would choose Elvis Costello.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I get it. Again, Elvis is a hard thing. Elvis is a hard thing. I know. I'm when when people find out I'm an Elvis fan, they're kind of like, "What?" You know. um, But there's a you know, I say go watch. That's the way it is. Listen to the Memphis record from '69. '68 comeback's good. I mean, yeah. Anyway,
1: (laughs) there's a. I'm gonna geek out. This is the second WKRP in Cincinnati moment. I I need to tell you. Tony and we're the same age or about a year or two apart. Uh, that's my favorite TV show of all time was WKRP. That's how I learned half the classic rock I know, and that that's how I learned to love radio, and it's how it turned me into comedy. Like as a 11 year old watching reruns of that show, hearing an episode ending with like Layla, that Layla guitar intro like, that's how I heard a lot of that music.
0: Yeah. There's yeah. an
1: episode, uh, a two-parter where Johnny fever, I don't know how familiar you are with the show. I'll make this a quick rabbit hole. <laughs> Johnny fever gets, gets a lot of money to do a disco show and he created, he hates disco and he creates a set personics. he's making a lot of money doing it. And at <laughs> one point he plays, um, blue suede shoes and he, he introduces it as it's Elvis Presley and it's the Carl Perkins version and oh. he sheepishly goes back on the air to apologize for messing this obvious fact up as kind of, you're seeing his mind. He's so into the money and the the disco that his wheelhouse is early fifties classic rock. Uh, he forgot it for a moment. So that's an interesting thing that he apologizes for calling
0: Carl Perkins Elvis. <laughs> that's, that's good. I love, I love it, man. I didn't know WKRP could teach lessons in, you know your moral compass,
1: dude. Everything I learned, I learned from WKRP I show them one <laughs> off the air before anybody was born. <laughs> so yeah, I, it, it's cool here to do Elvis on record because of all the covers they did, they never did Elvis officially on record.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. Uh, well, another kind of obscure one. Well, no, actually, let me move to one that's a like a big hit. I love the version of She Loves You on Volume Two Live. Yeah. I still think that song is exciting to hear. Uh, it's it's one of their greatest songs. Uh, the way it starts, um, the ex- just the raw energy involved, the the energy of the time that it that it evokes of getting out of that Kennedy assassination hangover, and the possibility of. a a grand future of unknown uh, with the excitement of just the the teenage excitement. I I love, I love this song. Like you said earlier, I love that we're able to hear it without the Beatlemania going on. So you don't get that too much. I just love hearing another version of this song. uh, Yeah. Without the Beatlemania.
1: It's, it's a great one. And I think the track right before it on BBC two is the original B side of she loves you. I'll get you and those two back back-to-back, back, again, yeah. done live, I actually think the sound quality on both might be better than the official versions. I love, great call on that She Loves You. It is, the Beatles have so many quote-unquote greatest hits. I feel like She Loves You is one of them that gets lost in the shuffle.
0: It Yeah, it does. I mean, a lot of people dismiss their early work as just being, you know, silly love songs for teenagers, and a lot of them were, Um, but...
1: And among the best silly love songs for teenagers Ever fucking written or performed
0: Yeah, I mean When you're a teenager, you do need to hear that And and as an adult hearing that music It's okay to feel like a teenager You know, that's okay It's not okay to feel a teenager
1: <laughs> well, I want to make, make, make a PSA Unless you're a fellow teenager I mean, in that case, you know, do what you gotta do
0: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I just love that one. song. I love that song. I love I love that yeah, because that one wasn't on volume one. Uh same with I Wanna Hold Your Hand, which didn't make my list just because the I didn't the performance to me didn't uh top the original. The performance was a little more lighter. Um that's all. But I, I liked hearing both those songs in these live versions without Beatlemania screams.
1: That's that's a great point. And I'm gonna go to BBC two for my next one as well with a song that is comparatively minor in the Beatles catalog. It's on the Please Please Me album. But I think one of John's best early songs, the BBC Two version of There's a Place without harmonica, oh, yeah. is haunting and gorgeous. And hearing that great song done live, Ringo's pronounced triplets on And It's My Mind,
0: are yeah. uh, unlike
1: what he does on the studio version, or just more dramatic on this kind of live one for the BBC. And this is probably one of my two or three favorite songs on the BBC two record.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love those originals from the, the please please me record. I also like that misery I think made it on. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, yeah. It was, it's great to hear these different versions of, of these songs that, you know, they didn't really play. There's a place or misery at Hollywood bowl or, you know, later in their career, um, like in 66 or whatever, you know, uh, so, yeah, it's just it's great to hear these versions. I will say that that's the one thing I, I, I wish they had done was more of these BBC things 65 and 66 when they were still an active band, you know. I, I'd love to hear those gummy versions of... Uh, uh, <laughs> what was George's song on Rubber Soul, the, uh, the one they used to play? If I Needed Someone? Yeah, If I Needed Someone. Yeah. I love those, like, sluggish, weird... And Budokan. Yeah, I love that version.
1: Well, It's it's like I know it's not one of your favorites, but John Lennon doing rock and roll music at Budokan in '66, just doing it like a stony, almost dilly stony kind <laughs> right. of. You, know, you know what I'm talking about, where they're kind of going through the motions.
0: Yeah, you know. and, and Budokan, no one's screaming as much. So they're like, oh shit, people can hear us. Uh oh.
1: Right. <laughs> they, they can hear us not nailing any of the harmonies in Paperback Writer. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, so that
1: that's one of my. Let, should we do a few more rapid fire? You want to just kind of go yeah. back and forth with a few more?
0: Yeah, I got. Uh, I got. Don't ever change. This is from uh, Volume One. It's one of my new favorites. Uh, I think. I. I don't think it, it, it stuck out to me when in back in '94, but again, it's like it's it's more of like an audition deck, audition kind of song, and I don't see it making any of their records really. It's just that side of the fence of a Beatles song of it being it was it was so. This is a cricket song. Uh post Buddy Holly Crickets uh single in sixty two, another Goffin King song. Um and it's a Paul and George duet. I think that's what I like so much about it. Like when does that happen?
1: Yeah, only Cry for a Shadow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> the instrumental who's that,
1: who's that who's that credited to is it mccart i should know this i can't remember is it McCartney i think it's Mac- or- i think it is mccartney is Harrison. Harrison. i know okay. we should know
0: this but we're again we're not scholars we're fans so
1: no we're, we're not this is not the kevin howlett mark and hour
0: right right
1: god bless them both
0: yes yeah we we need them we need them for our fact checks but uh i, I just now hearing just Paul and George singing on their own, like I would have loved to have heard more songs like that, you know. Don't ever change.
1: And if you really want to hear Paul and George uh, performing together and hating each other, watch the reunion in 90, oh, yeah, 94 man.
0: Yeah, we'll talk, let's talk about in that Friar sometime. Park.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the the awkward video yeah. of Paul calling out changes. That's a whole other episode for this. Yeah,
0: oh, those are yeah. That was a fun time. <laughs> George and his ukuleles and playing some really deep song that never made it into the studio and Paul like eh, I think I remember that one. <laughs> R- Ringo banging on his legs for percussion, yeah. like
1: he's, he's checking his watch. <laughs> like, oh, oh, oh. All right, Ringo. Uh, here, here's a here's a quick one of mine. Um, on BBC One, the cover of Long Tall Sally, that little Richard song. As great as McCartney's version is on the single version or on the EP version, I guess. Um, this hearing this live without the screaming, Ringo's Tempo, Paul's vocals, and it's one of George's best early solos. George does kind of a take on a Chuck Berry solo that is just phenomenal and energetic. It's one that it's another great one that you're hearing live without all the the screaming
0: yeah i love that song yeah this is one of my favorite covers that they do of all time it's just and it's great every time they do it they're always excited to play this i would argue that i know we say that ringo's not keith moon or whatever but on this song every time they played this song he gets into keith moon at the end there when he's just he's wailing away and playing every single drum and every single cymbal, every single eighth note is being filled with some kind of percussion and it's oh I love it. and
1: his his fills at the end and they'll have some fun those last have some fun tonight's yeah and yeah I don't say Ringo's not Keith Moon to shit on him Ringo is uh, I say it as a compliment that he could rock out and do inventive fills and I'll, I'll give you a twofer because another one of my favorites I think along with She Loves You one of the most underrated Beatles quote-unquote hits is Ticket to Ride and oh yeah uh, the, the live version on this without the screaming, all I knew was the Hollywood Bowl one, which was a little slower and a lot harder to really, really appreciate. But uh, Ringo's drumming, it, it's it's like perfect and off kilter. I don't believe there's ever been a record in pop rock history, at least that I've heard, that was a hit like that, that is equal parts super light and super heavy.
0: Yeah, man. I remember Lennon in one of those books saying that that to ride might have been the first heavy metal song. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think is funny, Yeah, yeah. but it is, it's a deep groove and it was right when they started to get into the drone thing, you know, it's kind of the first, yeah. So there's a little bit of Indian influence in it, believe it or not. And yeah. And also I saw that, uh, there is a longer version that they recorded for BBC that is yet to be released. So that could be something it's probably on a bootleg
1: live at the BBC three yeah it'll be special limited vinyl $400 thanks Apple
0: with three versions of uh lend me your comb (laughs)
1: that's
0: right right. uh I
1: like that yeah so go on
0: I've got a couple honorable mentions uh I really like the I'll follow the sun uh version on number two I love the looseness of it. Again, this is the same thing as I was saying with "Words of Love." This is like it feels just more like a band playing it than like a perfect studio version of it. I just, I prefer. This is one of the ones where I prefer the ver- this version to the studio. <clears throat> I also like Great. the honeymoon song. Believe it or not, that was a uh, Mary Hopkin later covered it. Uh, Paul McCartney produced, mm-hmm. but uh, I and like Volume the, One. Yeah, Volume One, the Honeymoon Song. That's just one of those like, oh, this is. Yeah, I don't I don't need to hear it on, you know, the second album or whatever, but uh, I like that it exists in this way. It's a great one. Uh,
1: my last honorable mention, only because we talked about it in a previous episode for all you uh, fans of Untitled Beatles podcast, you've heard this before, <laughs> but uh, the official release of I'll Be On My Way, which was uh, oh, yeah. kind of a a, a trifle that they gave to Billy Kramer and the Dakotas has some of the greatest John and Paul harmonies that are on any early Beatles record. It's like a toss off, right? They did it maybe once or twice. then gave it away. Um, it also has the, one of the worst John and Paul lines on any song <laughs> where golden rivers flow, <laughs> which I think John might've mocked in those playboy interviews, if I remember yes. it correctly. Yes. It's a terrible lyric, but, it's such a sunny – because, again, John Lennon, the, the narrative has become cartoonish, Tony, where, well, John was acerbic and Paul was light and cheesy. They were both everything. Yeah, they are so humans. They, they were humans, right? So <laughs> John could be totally sunny, too, and I'll be on my way. It's just John and Paul seeing this beautifully sunny – the lyric and the melody and those harmonies. It just – to me, it's it's an understated Beatle classic.
0: Yeah. And I I think Paul even ripped on it too, saying that the song was a bit too June light for him or something. That as the June, yeah, the the June
1: huh? <laughs> and which Yoko came out against Paul in what the one of her caustic comments about Paul, the defending John in the mid late nineties, when Yoko and Paul were going at it. Yoko said, you know, John was Mozart, Paul was, is it uh Salieri? I'm right,
0: forgetting. right. Right.
1: And uh, then Yoko said, it doesn't take a lot to rhyme June with spoon. (laughs) And that always struck me as a, as a dig to to Paul.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you play that game, you're opening up everything, you know? So. Oh yeah. That's funny, man. I I missed that one. Yeah. I forgot about some of that stuff. Um, another one is soldier of love. That's another one I liked back in the, when it came out it was great to hear that. Um, unreleased stuff three cool cats they recorded that a bunch of times i'd love to hear another version of that i love again that's more of their comedy deca audition stuff but i dig that stuff
1: that Decca version's version so good
0: it is i love it that would that i would often put that on mixtapes when anthology Me too. Came that out. and
1: searching i'd put on yeah
0: oh yeah um and then i guess there's a version of honey don't where john lennon does the vocal i'd like to hear that
1: I've heard him doing, I think, a version of it later. I don't know if I've heard him doing an, an early one. I feel like I've heard John doing one from like the, the seventies, maybe, maybe when he was producing stuff for Ringo. But it, those are great. I got a couple unreleased ones too that I've heard. Uh, there's a pretty great "I Call Your Name" that oh, was yeah. not released officially. That's a great one. Too. I love
0: that song. Yeah.
1: And a really fun "I Should Have Known Better." Oh that yeah. Didn't make the cut of either of those. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd like. I'd, I'd be interested in hearing those. I yeah, I, like w- when it comes to bootlegs and all that stuff. When we were collecting before all this stuff came out officially, I would always see those at record shows, like Beatles at the Beeb, and I didn't understand it. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that that meant the BBC, <laughs> but it's spelled B E E B, and I was like, uh. but it, I don't know. I, I was. I was at that point. I just wanted to hear Strawberry Fields take seven or whatever. And I wanted to hear the psychedelic stuff. I wanted to hear the white album stuff or the Esher demos. And so I, I never heard uh, any of the, the BBC stuff. I didn't, I didn't spend $30 to hear that music back then. So when these finally came out, it was like, hooray. It, it,
1: these were the 20, uh, the 2013 or 2014, I could, I'm forgetting when they were reissued and when Volume two came out. Um, uh, it, it was volume two is great and it's important it's a part of the Beatles collection but the the stature of volume one being the first unofficial or excuse me the first officially released versions of these songs what nothing new had come out since 1970 I mean yeah. you had Hollywood Bowl in 77 and rarities was, but was, you and, know. and rarities which was Half rarities and half manufactured, you know, Yeah,
0: stereo peel down mixes of songs. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Or, or like kind of a, a, an assembled Penny Lane or, an, you know, that the German six hi-hat intro of, you know, <laughs> all my loving is, you know, God bless you. But yeah. Um, but this was I, I can't say enough. This album, when it came out, because it started the wave of the anthologies and everything that came after, because then you had the Lennon anthology a few years after that, which was all the sessions. Yeah, stuff.
0: yeah. I've so, got that. You can't find that streaming, by the
1: way. There's so much Beatles stuff that doesn't stream. It's just, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think the anthology movies you can stream. I think you still have to watch those on DVD.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I have it on DVD. So I guess you're right. Yeah. Huh.
1: It's It's wild, but it's. The, both BBC albums are great. Live at the BBC One just holds a very special place for college years, and my eyes as a 20-year-old being open to stuff that I'd heard about, heard a couple songs of, but really understood the energy of this. It's, it was like the first great live Beatles
0: album. For sure. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, great call! Yeah, great call. Good to see you, TJ. Good to hear you. <laughs>
1: You too, Tony. You as well. And uh, we haven't decided next week's show, but I'm guessing it's going to be Ringo's 70s solo album, Stop and Smell the Roses and Bad Boy.
0: <laughs> Why does it always have to be two? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next time. It's the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony Mendoza.
1: I'm TJ Shannon. Tony, <laughs> great to see you and talk to you. Thank you, Beatles fans. We'll see you soon.
0: Uh Untitled Beatles Podcast Like and subscribe